A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Tuesday morning. Thank <laughs> All <you>. right. Yeah. <laughs> We're live again. Hopefully. I got it. Okay. Reloaded. <laughs> Reload. We're up. Good morning again. <laughs> Good morning. Great to be on with you. Uh, excited to have you. Okay, so this is, uh, I don't really, I have a few specific questions, but I just did a roundup from uh, a lot of the questions that uh, people wanted me to ask you. Um, number one question is, how do you find a naturopathic doctor as good as yourself? I mean, obviously, if they can't come to you because they don't live in the area and you're also very busy, I know that you do offer online. So yep. maybe how would they contact you first? Do you, do you have room for new people? And if not, how would they find someone comparable? Because this is a really important question. Yeah, it, you know, it, it's a good question. And it's, it's a hard one to answer, unfortunately, Gina, because uh, it, it has nothing to do with, I think that I'm the best or anything like that. It has to do with uh, like, who knows the program and and I think that's what a lot of people that come to me are very comfortable with. Like I had one lady yesterday that was on, that was on with, with you and she's done the winter program. And then she came to me and said, I'm seeing a naturopath and the naturopath that she saw was good, but she just like, I wanted somebody that also understands the program so they can support me with it. So I don't have to go and spend the whole first consult kind of like catching them up on what I'm doing and telling them about the food that I'm eating. So that is quite helpful. Um, however, you know, um, I am still taking new patients, but it's starting to get, you know, into June and July. And so, you know, there, there still is opportunity if people want to book. Okay. Um, and I, I just suggest, suggest the people that are really serious the book. Otherwise, um, you know, you can try to find someone local. And so a key kind of determinant of an ND that is, is decent, that's good, that kind of knows what they're, what they're doing is obviously check out some of their, their social media stuff. Okay. Just because they're not on social media doesn't mean that they're not a good ND. In fact, yeah. if you get to a certain point, Gina, um, unless you have an online kind of presence like yourself, uh, you know, you really may not have a social media presence or you might have somebody doing it. So that may not be a good barometer. I okay. think you're going to usually use word of mouth. That's my best suggestion. Talk to somebody local. Talk to somebody in your family. If there's, uh, if you're seeing a massage therapist, if you're seeing a physio, if seeing a chiro, ask them, hey, you know what? Do you have somebody in your network that is a naturopath, they're like, oh, you know what? I've seen this one myself. They're amazing. And that's how I tell people about chiros and about massage mm -hmm. therapists is people yeah. that I know yeah. and people that I trust and people that my patients tell me are really good. Those are the ones that I send them, uh, send them to. So I think you can use the same type of approach. They're not going to know genius plan, but um, you know, I think that you can just maybe do a quick 60 second synopsis. And, and basically I think they're going to be happy with it. If you tell them that it's working for you. And what would that be? So like, you know, the program, so how, how would you, how would you describe it? How would you suggest people describe it to, to when they go see a healthcare provider? Yeah. I mean, the simplest thing is that, and this is the way I start with my, a lot of my visits with people that are part of the program is I kind of, um, I ask them to explain their weight loss journey. And so a lot of times people will say, you know what, I've had a history of yo-yo dying, dieting. I've been with Bernstein. I've been with Weight Watchers, Dr. Poon, like all these different kind of well-known weight loss programs. And inevitably they'll say, yeah, it didn't work. Or I lost a lot of weight and then I just put it back on and more. And usually that's a, that's a good way of kind of getting a barometer of what they've done in the past. And then if you're in this program and you're, and you're experiencing it, uh, share a little bit about the program in terms of that I'm, I am losing weight, share that you're feeling good. A lot of times I think what 
people really, um, what sticks out to me and what people really um, like to share is that the non-scale victories are really, really big. And a lot yeah. of people that I see are the ones that are struggling to kind of, you know, keep up with the people in their group that's doing the program. They're not losing 30 or 40 pounds. And so they're saying, you know, Dr. Paul, why am I not doing this? You know, why, you know, what's going on? What's wrong with me? And, you know, we kind of unpack a lot of that. And, you know, every time we get on, we kind of inevitably go back to that question because that's what's on so many people's minds. Yeah. Why me? Why can't I lose weight? And so that's, you know, that's where uh, any, you know, I'm not special in that department. You know, any naturopathic doctor can really go in and, and really help, help you understand what some of the underlying obstacles could be, and then kind of go from there. So that hopefully that gave people a little bit of an idea of what to look for. Um, share the, the program is about, you know, eating consistently uh, and eating really clean and hydration is really important. That's the thing that's often under appreciated uh and that should be satisfactory for the naturopath if you feel if you tell them that they're you know otherwise you're doing really really well okay i, I want to go back to the why me thing so the other people that you've seen the why me is there a theme is there a theme is there a certain thing that is affecting you know uh you know <laughs> you know what i'm asking you know gina we could probably spend two hours unpacking this question because uh there's a lot of reasons potentially and to be perfectly honest like you we don't know uh, sometimes, you know, like yeah. there, there are some people that, um, that are struggling and um, they're going to have to do a little bit of detective work to figure it out. And so yeah. I'm just going to tell you a little bit about what I probably shared with you before, but just as a review, you know, what are some things that are going to be limiting a person's weight loss? So let's look at the lowest hanging fruit. First of all, um, looking at what you're currently eating and making sure that you're not kind of self-sabotaging within that. You know, you think you're following the plan, but you're really yeah. not. Yeah. That's number one. That's easy. I think that you really repeated that. Uh, secondly is, are, is there some sort of hormonal obstacle? I think this is a pretty low hanging fruit because even your, your nurse practitioner, your family doctor, they're going to be able to find out if your thyroid is not functioning well. Yeah. And so yeah. that would be a simple thing to check. Uh, thyroid, it definitely limits your ability to lose weight slows down your metabolic rate. Uh, you might also experience hair loss. You might be experiencing a little bit of a discomfort or swelling in the, in the neck and throat area here, uh, yeah. constipation, everything just basically, it's like the thermostat is turned down. So that's definitely one thing to look at. Um, secondly, I, and this is one that I spend a ton of time on is uh, people are in a chronic straight uh, state of hormonal stress. So okay. adrenal dysfunction. Mm -hmm. And so unfortunately, adrenal dysfunction is, is more complicated to treat than thyroid because there isn't as simple as just like doing adrenal replacement because the adrenal system produces hormones at different, at different levels at different parts of the day, Gina. So it's not like thyroid. It's kind of like I can give you Synthroid. I can just replace it within yeah. the adrenal system. It produces many different hormones that regulate blood pressure that regulate your like cortisol, DHEAS. It produces a little bit of progesterone, it produces a little bit of estrogen, testosterone. So you're, you can't just replace your adrenal system. And people unfortunately are really unkind to their adrenal system their whole lives. Yeah. They're burning the candle at both ends. They're not recovering well. They've been under a lot of stress. Maybe some of it has been out of their control. Maybe some of it's been self-induced. So a lot of the self-sabotaging behaviors like um, excess alcohol, um, not sleeping well, uh, addiction to uh, kind of stimulants like caffeine over like in, in an unhealthy way. I'm not talking yeah, about yeah. having a, a coffee like you, but I'm talking about, and I know people that are listening will resonate with this. They're like, 
you know, my dad used to be a teacher and they used to joke, like they just, you know, they drank like 10 cups of coffee a day just to get themselves through. Right. And so yeah. that's, that's going to be tougher for your uh, adrenal system. So that's another big one. So I would say first really look at the hormonal system. There is a such thing as, as you hit menopause, Gina, your hormonal system changes and your metabolism changes. And some people find that just the way that the um, body weight deposits on the body uh, you're going to have a change based on estrogen and progesterone. They're going to go down. Yeah, those go down. And so sometimes, you, you know, if you're if you're postmenopausal, you're not going to necessarily. And some people are exceptions, but you're not going to have the body mass composition and the proportions of somebody that is 40 or 30 because of those that hormonal those hormonal changes. So those are things that we really look at. And then there's you know after that you kind of fall into a bit of a rabbit hole in terms of chronic inflammation. Um, excess toxicity, uh, microbiome dysfunction, all those things have to be looked at. And a lot of these things, unfortunately, happen early in a person's life that may not be able to, um, or takes time to kind of repair that you might need to do three or four sessions um, with with your programs, you might actually need additional detoxification. So I know I'm rambling, but hopefully that gives you an overview. No, it's you're actually just setting me up for my next question. Like, and this is what I really want to help people understand, like how long this is you want to talk about a loaded fucking question. How long does it take the body to heal? Ha! You know, like how long does it yeah. take to improve digestion, to, to get your bowel movements, you know, regulated, to, to improve your hormones, to, to help inflammation, yeah. to, if you, after you take an antibiotic, for example, like how, how long, like one of the questions was a woman who has like chronic inflammation and stress and all this in her body. She had lost 14 pounds in the last group and she's on an antibiotic, this group. And it's <clears> like, you know, will I ever lose weight? And I'm just like, well, like of course you can, because you did. And, you know, taking an antibiotic, of course, that's going to like sidetrack your body from focusing on fat loss. Yeah. And then I also want to tie in there. It's like, I mean, it's something that we never talk about, but it's so unhealthy to carry extra fat in your body. So wouldn't the body especially want it gone when it's dealing with health issues? Like, it's not like the body is trying to keep it around, you know, like there's, it, it, it takes time, right? It takes, so let's go back to the original question. Yeah. How long did it, it take for the body to heal? <laughs> <laughs> there was like a little rabbit hole you're about to slip into and you're like, okay, I'm going to read myself back. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. So uh, the, the, <laughs> it, it takes as long as it takes. And yeah. I know that's a really um, kind of like- uh, Give it to us uh, straight. Give it to us straight. answer, but I'll, t I'll give you a couple of examples. So- there's some people of all ages, you know, now that I've seen almost hundreds of people that have gone through the program, there are some people that are in their sixties and even their seventies and they've lost, you know, 30, 40 pounds and they feel great. And so even at that age, which we often think of, and, and I hear a lot that family doctor says, well, it's just your age, just deal with it, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. which I know I don't buy because it, they might be right, but they also might be wrong and really grossly wrong. And, yeah. and I think I've seen people's um, total, like I saw somebody yesterday, they were, they were 60 years old and they were explaining to me how their sleep was a game changer after they started uh, following the program and they had problems sleeping for a long time. And so we don't know the impact diets having on your particular health issues. And especially when you change it on the, on the plan, you're going to start noticing some major differences and sometimes really quickly. So in that case, it takes as long as it takes for that person. It was quick. There are yeah. some things, Gina, that take a lot longer and 
I do have to say it takes a while to rebalance your hormones. It's not as simple as popping a Synthroid pill and all your uh, thyroid hormones go back to normal right away. Yeah. It also has to do with there are other hormones that are synergistic with it because what we what we often fail to understand is that progesterone is really important for uh, rebalancing your thyroid hormones. So if your progesterone's off, your thyroid's gonna be off. Your cortisol also plays a role on how you activate your T4 to T3, which is your active thyroid hormones. So if you have an imbalanced cortisol level, you are going to not, uh, you're going to be inefficient. You can be taking all the synthroid in the world, but your yeah. body's going to be pushing it into an inactive form. So these are the layers that sometimes take a couple months to un, un, uh, rebalance and uh, un, unpack. And that's all assuming that you're pressing on the right thing in your body. Cause sometimes people are missing some things. Right. And that's a lot of what we try to do with our patients in general, um, adrenal dysfunction and the effects of chronic stress, they take, you know, sometimes six months to 12 months of consistency to repair themselves. Cause it's taken a decade to get there. Right. Yeah. This is, this is what I want to get across to people. Like it's, it's, it's so remarkable what can be done in three short months, like people, you know, lowering their thyroid meds and, you know, getting off their cholesterol meds and their blood pressure meds and those things. It's very exciting. Um, but at the same time, it's, it's like, even it doesn't mean like, okay, even if you get off your, for example, you get off your high blood pressure meds, doesn't mean that your, your heart works perfectly and everything's amazing. Yeah. Like it's still going to take time, right? Like it takes time for the body to make these kinds of changes. It takes time to address like hardcore health issues. What about inflammation? Like what, what, if someone has like inflammation to the point, it's really affecting their body's ability to focus on, on fat loss and get that scale moving. Like what would be your time frame for someone like that? Well, it depends on the type of inflammation. So we have to first rule out, make sure it's not an autoimmune condition. Cause I've, I've had a number of cases that people have just had this thing brewing in behind the scenes mm -hmm. and we didn't know. So we had to figure that out first. Yeah. And once we start bringing that down and targeting that directly, uh, usually with, you know, over and above the diet, we do specific nutrients, herbs, and maybe even medications if necessary. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that really does uh, sometimes take, you know, a couple of months to rebalance. Uh, sometimes like there's, I've said this before with you, but there's this like food related inflammation of like, once you avoid a specific food that you're sensitive to, and that could be corn, for example, for some people that could be eggs, that could be yeah. um, cheese, that could be, you know, beans. Like it, it, there's a whole list of any food you can be sensitive to. And then all of a sudden people will say, my, my joints are not sore anymore. Like, and, and it's not the, like, it's not osteoarthritis where you actually have, you know, an x-ray showing that you have degeneration. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about that kind of like, I'm just achy and my, I'm, I feel, I wake up, especially I feel kind of like swollen, a little bit congested. So <clears throat> that type of inflammation can be resolved really quickly, okay. uh, usually within like a month. Uh, and so I think people have to be open to flexing with the plan. And if you're one of those people that have done the program multiple times, uh, you know, maybe you have to also be open-minded enough to be like uh, reevaluating what I'm doing. And is that working for me? Because I might need to tweak that and personalize it more. And I think that's where people start getting more success. Like with the supplements, for example, like someone, someone, you know, someone's going along successfully losing weight. And then they're like, well, I don't think these supplements are working for me. And I'm like, well, if you've added them in and they're, you know, you're losing weight and everything is great. You're feeling good. Like, how do you know they're not working for you? So how, like, how do you know when to start adding in a supplement? Like, when do you know it's working for you? When do you know when to give up on it? 
Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. And um, some of the supplements like CoQ10, you may not notice a difference. And mm. it's just the way that these particular things work. Also, unless you have some major inflammation, you're taking uh, a pretty high dose, mm. you are not going to be able to notice a difference with omega-3s. Uh, just again, my experience, just the way it shows. So a lot of these are protective on factors that are invisible to us, that are something that we actually don't feel. Uh, for example, like cardiovascular risk or improvements in cholesterol scores. These right. are things that won't necessarily be palpable or, or you can't feel them, but they're still having a beneficial effect. And, um, you know, I just want to make a point about supplements. If you're expecting your supplements to help you lose weight, then you're misguided. I think, I think <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's, it's, it's really what I think it's a really good question that you brought up because it's important that we reiterate supplements help your metabolism yeah. and yeah. your overall health processes, cellular function get better. Yeah. But if you're hoping that that omega-3 makes you lose weight, then yeah. you're, you're not going to get that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That, and, and I think that that seems so such an odd thing, but so appropriate to say, because it's not, this is not a supplement based weight loss program. These are supplements that help fill in the blanks to help your body work at a level that, you know, we can, we need it to work at. So it's not that the supplements aren't making you lose weight. The supplements are helping the body function a little bit better, which of course is going to feed in and factor into your weight loss. Right? And that's why you got to maximize and do all the, that's why you got to do up all the things and make those tweaks right. and show up for as long as you need to make. Yeah, because you can still lose weight without taking the supplements. But if you, you know, if you are deficient in certain ones, you know, exactly. They can help. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> My dog's scratching at the door. Hold on. One yeah, second. Okay. Jeez. <laughs> I have like a little teacup Yorkie, and she's like the most prissy little princess that you can yeah, find. I, I have a little pup like that too. Um, what I actually was thinking is that like, let's just quickly do like a lightning rapid fire through each one of the supplements and just go over exactly what you said. How's that sound? Right. Yeah, I'm in. Kind of like, um, what, what in terms of weight loss and augmenting that, what does each one of the things actually do? Yeah. Um, so let's start with magnesium or like the, the natural calm. Yeah. If you're deficient in magnesium, your muscles are not going to work as well and your insulin set receptors are not going to work as well. And so that means that, all that you know, fiber you're trying to pull in and you're trying to minimize blood sugar, that's not gonna be working as well. And so that is a way that it augments and supports weight loss, but magnesium itself, if you take it and then do a randomized control trial, it's not gonna show that you're gonna lose weight. Right. But it's just gonna make you overall, you know, your headache's gonna get better, your bowels are gonna get more regular with that magnesium. Um, and in general, you're going to have better blood flow. So those are all really positive things. Love this conversation. Secondly, omega-3s. Yep. They generally have um, lower inflammation. We, as a Western society, have a major imbalance between omega-6s and omega-3s. And if we tested everybody that was in the program, I bet you probably 90% of people would have closer to the 20 to 1 ratio. Omega-3s, 1 omega-3 to 20 omega-6s, because they're just, omega-6s aren't everything. Yeah. They're in any, any processed food you've ever had, there's going to be some omega-6s and no omega-3s. And so that gets all incorporated in the cellular membrane. And they basically, it's like the health of the outside of your cell, which is where a lot of action happens, where a lot of inflammation is regulated. So on a cellular level, omega-3s make a lot of sense. Uh, and so that I think is one of the best ways. Plus it's a good fat. So again, slows down absorption of fat, yeah. uh, sorry, absorption of blood sugar, uh, probiotics and prebiotics. You know, mm -hmm. is that going to lose weight? Actually, there's some strains that have been studied to lose weight. 
but you, and those are, you know, a little bit more specific and they're not really commonly available, but in general, you're going to have a more full bowel movement. You're going to lock up a lot of that fat and sugar in your, um, in your bowels. You're going to feed and it's going to be excreted. You're going to feed your microbiome. And that's going to, in general, have a net positive effect, better bowel movements. Uh, you're going to have better absorption of nutrients, more elimination of toxins, and that's all going to have a long-term positive effect. You can see, I can actually go through sounds each amazing. one of the things. It sounds and amazing. <laughs> like the augmenting things, you know, CoQ10, you're going to have a, a more efficient heart. So when you exercise, you're going to be a little bit more efficient. You're going to put more blood throughout your body. Your cells are using CoQ10 to produce energy, which is ultimately what we're trying to do. A lot of people say that they have better energy. You can say the same thing about B complex. If you're deficient, you're going to feel sluggish and tired. Your metabolism is not going to work as well. We're all trying to help cellular function. So all these things are trying to do that. Um, so hopefully that gives everybody a little bit of a taste. I mean, I could keep going if you wanted, but um, that, vitamin that's D, why. Vitamin D, vitamin, vitamin D. Yeah, vitamin D. Uh, probably one of the ones that would give you the most kind of bang for your buck. If you're deficient in it, you're going to feel your muscles are going to be more sore. You're going to feel sad and down and depressed. Uh, it's a hormone in your brain. It's powerfully anti-inflammatory. It, it protects you from autoimmune diseases. It regulates your immune system. Uh, vitamin D is synergistic with magnesium. That's why you want to do both together. Because if you take massive amounts of vitamin D, which a lot of people during COVID and during the winter, they thought that was, they're thinking that's a good idea. But if you don't have magnesium with it, you're actually going to be limiting it and stunting its ability to actually do its job. And so you, you need a synergy between the two to activate all of vitamin D's processes. Um, so, you know, vitamin D, I think is absolutely essential for anybody in a Northern hemisphere country, if they can't get out and um, get natural sun. And remember natural sun, you need to be in a bikini or shirt off for about 50 minutes on kind of midday to get 10,000 IUs of vitamin wow. D. Think about that. Wow. And even wow. then, you may not actually be able to convert it into your active form, which happens in the liver, which happens in the kidneys. So you could be always in the sun. There's research on surfers in Hawaii that still were vitamin D deficient because, again, it has to do with the way that they are converted. So um, get your levels tested. And, and that's really a lot of what we do with patients is that we really try to take a forensic evidence-based approach with their health and be like, all right, let's just actually test some of these things to see what's off and what's not. And then we'll correct some of that. Yeah. Wow. Well, you really just sold me on those. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's the thing. we're not trying to sell anybody on anything, right? We're just trying to, and this is like, this is just basic health and wellness. You help your body get healthy and address its needs. Guess what? It's not going to need, it's not going to need to store and hang on to a bunch of excess fat that no longer serves a purpose. Right. So what I always tell my patients um, and anybody that when I'm lecturing is that probably uh, you can treat 80% of conditions or help 80% of conditions with 20% of nutrients. And those are the top 20 that you see over and over. They're the, they're the best sellers. They're the ones that um, most people are taking. And those are the ones basically I just listed off. Yeah. So if you're taking the right forms, the right amounts of each one of those, then you, you basically have your bases covered. Yeah. Um, I think I've, I've talked about almost all of them that, that, uh, that you probably want. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, it's important to consider, you know, there's patients always teach me this all, all the time is that they've said, oh, I took one brand 
and I'd really notice the difference. And then I tried a different one and then I noticed a big difference. And yeah. sometimes that happens. And there's there's a unique individuality to you, number one. Number two, not every brand's created equal. Not every single formulation is going to work well with you. They might work well with another person, but not well with you. A lot, you might have absorption issues. So you actually need a higher dose or you need a different form. So there's so many factors, Gina, in terms of uh, determining a person's ability to get the benefit out of out of their supplements and even out of their diet, they have to be, again, open-minded enough to be curious about their health and to change things up if they think things are not working and not just get stuck on something because that's just the way that I'm done. That's the way it's done or that's yeah. the way I've always done it or that's the way that even Gina told me because yeah. you know we need, to, we need to take responsibility for our own health. You've laid out a blueprint, yes. but you, the person doing it is the architect. You're yeah. the one who has to actually execute it. So um, use that, uh, use that intelligence that your body has and use the feedback that your body's going to give you. Cause I believe that your body gives you feedback based on how you're feeling and your health. Absolutely. It's always talking to you if you're listening. Um, okay. I love that. I love that overview. Let's talk about, um, so someone's done losing weight and let's talk about a couple of things done losing weight and going into maintenance. What do they do with their supplements and, um, you know, go to sign up for the next program. Should they take a break? Should they keep them going? You know, the usual. Um, yeah. So again, I, th I'm, I'm an advocate of doing a supplement break, uh, with, with people that have been doing it, especially for three months, three months is a really good chunk of time. If you've yeah. can honestly say, you know, I've been really consistent with the supplements that were laid out on the plan, then I would say, you know, doing two or three or four week break, maybe over a normal time that you'd be on vacation. Like I just had a patient yesterday. They're like, yeah, over the Christmas holidays, I took a bit of a break and you know what? I noticed the difference. And that's what, that's, what's key. Sometimes people, will start on something, especially when they start with a whole plan, a bunch of things change and they're like, I don't really know what's doing what, but when yeah. they stop things, they're like, yeah, I didn't realize that turmeric was actually really helping my joints. I'm more <laughs> yeah. achy. I hear that yeah. all the time. So sometimes it's not when you start it, but it's when you pause it or stop it that you're going to notice point. what the benefit was. So that's something to, to, to remind. And that's, you won't know that until you actually try it to, to take a pause off it. And it's, a, you know, it's, it's natural um, in, in a person's kind of like life that there's, you know, ebbs and flows and there's natural holiday times. I sometimes take a little bit of a supplement holiday on weekends. Let's say I'm, I'm just, if I'm feeling pretty good, unless I'm, there's something specific I'm trying to do. Like, for example, if you're feeling under the weather that you might take something more specific, or a little higher dose of uh, zinc or vitamin C. So I think that's a really good thing on the supplement front. Um, in terms of follow-up, I mean, this is probably, you're probably more qualified to talk about, you know, if you've reached your weight loss goals, do you want to sign up for additional sessions? I have some people that are like, I just love the accountability that they want to be part of the part of the group. Mm -hmm. uh, so they all sign up for that. Um, but, and some people are like, you know what, I've, uh, I've learned what I need to learn. And now I'm going to do maintenance. I'm going to keep applying what I learned through the Jimmy, you know, the Livy protocol to, to, to my life. And now my family's going to do it. And you can always come back as a reset, um, but um, you know maybe reflect on that as you're going into you know going from the winter into the spring. If you have more to lose, definitely stay on. Yeah, if you if you have more to lose, definitely stay on. But they're not. I do have to say with the supplements, it's not like you're going to talk your supplements just like Dr. Paul said are not responsible for your like they're you're not taking them like I've got to be careful how I word this but for weight loss right. Although they help to reach your weight loss goals. 
um, if you stop taking them, you will not gain the weight back. It's not yes. like- Yes, yeah, that's, that's well said. Yes, yes, weight loss is not dependent on continuing to take supplements. It's not like if you stop taking the supplements, you're going to gain the weight back or anything like that. I mean, I still take a lot of them just for basic health and wellness. Yeah, um, that's, that's a decision that you guys can make once you're done, or maybe you'll want to switch them out. Like, like if you if there was like a couple supplements that you wish that people would take, like you know, for just like if you could add a couple supplements to the the list, is there any that you would add, or after people are done losing that you would like to swap out and add in? I know that's a weird question, but yeah, I, I mean, like, I think the ones that you've listed out already and that what I've just talked about are like the key maintenance that I think everybody should be on periodically. And again, mm -hmm. as a review, they're like always, you know, what should you have always on hand? So you should have a, a good probiotic on hand. Maybe if you don't have gut issues, you don't take it all the time, but you know, you can always take it for a period of time. You're like, you know, I'm going to eat out or I'm, I'm going somewhere and, and my tummy feels off. So that's one. Number two would be magnesium. Definitely have uh, magnesium on hand. Uh, that's, you know, whether it's the natural calm or you find a capsule, if you find that's helpful, magnesium glycinates a really common one that you can find. Yep. Um, having some sort of omega-3s periodically doing that, I think is a, is a, is a reasonable idea. That would be a good idea. Vitamin D, especially if you if you haven't got your levels tested, you know, get them done. And if not in the winter, you can do vitamin D levels, uh, and you can supplement with those. Uh, and you know, those are probably like the core. And then I, I should probably say a B complex and or a really high quality multi, which is, uh, you know, something that you probably would be taking two or three a day of, not one like a gummy. Uh, and, you know, in general, I would say I, I, I rarely recommend multivitamins, but as a maintenance and you want to take, you know, just one thing and you want something really convenient. Yeah. I recommend like a three a day multi, which has like a, all your active B complexes in it as well. So that would cover off like a B complex and some of your minerals as well. Yeah. Uh, and then I have like vitamin C and zinc on hand. If, if somebody wants to feel under the weather, that would be a really good idea. Uh, and something for inflammation because people get headaches. And so I have a really great turmeric uh, or curcumin extract that is able to get, um, you know, into your body quickly and combine that with magnesium. If you have a tension headache, that's a really great, uh, really great option. So oh, okay. those are all like basic things. Awesome. Okay, great. That's a, I love that. Great. Okay. Let's move on from the supplement conversation. So basically play around with it. Take a break. Don't take a break. <laughs> you know, uh, pay attention. You know, if you do take a break, if you notice any difference, um, you know, you can't really mess it up. And at the end of the day, you know, go make an appointment with your, with a naturopathic doctor, or your healthcare provider, and they'll break all this down uh, for you as well. Okay. Um, I think that covers the supplements. What, what's your thoughts on, um, what's your thoughts on water filtration? Oh yeah. Um, I'm a fan. I, 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 I'm, I do think filtering your water, even in a treated system that we have here in Canada and North America is a good idea because the treatment, um, that we do kind of from a municipal level really takes out, uh, I would say, make sure there's no bacteria, viruses, or fung fungus in it, but um, they still have quite a bit of chlorine a lot. So there's, there's that factor. So you could basically take that out with like a Brita or zero filter or one of those yeah. carbon filters. So that really yeah. takes out some of the basic things like chlorine. So at least you improve the taste on that. Um, so definitely I, I don't think... like, I, like I know we're, we're not all going to run out and get our water tested. I don't even know where you'd even start with that. I guess go to your town, get a kid. I don't really know. No, but, but even but... what they're going to test for, they're going to, they're going to test for bacteria and stuff. They're not going to test for like, you know, unless you specifically do a special lab, they'll do like heavy metals and stuff like that. But there are some towns like look at Flint, Michigan, for example, that was a famous yeah. case. 
where you know right. they're treating water but there's high amounts of lead in it you yeah know? so uh in general there are things in water that are not being treated and filtered for on the municipal level that you don't want to be drinking long term in my opinion especially if you're crushing water like you're supposed to be on the the plan so yeah. i do recommend at least a charcoal filter like a carbon okay. filter that you have in a fridge okay. uh, or you can do one of those hand filtration um, units like like a brita or ultimately a reverse osmosis with a remineralization component would be like my gold standard so it's like okay. that's my gold standard because that takes out pesticides uh, any sort of like chemicals um, drug and medicine metabolites believe it or not that those hormones like think of how many people are on the birth control pill. You know that stuff gets into your in, into the water supply, and yeah. that gets into your what the water system, and it can make your way. And again, small tiny amounts over a long period of time, uh, and and then you know that would be the gold standard, and that's in something you'd install under your sink, or you can do a whole a whole house, which is insanely expensive. But it, the the one that's under the sink is is affordable. If you think of if you're buying plastic water bottles. Number one, think of it from an environmental perspective. Number two, there are micro particles of plastic that get into those water bottles. Yeah. So try not to make that your mainstay of, of drinking. Okay. Uh, and, and then finally, you can get some of these like tabletop filtration systems, like a Sativia, it's called, I believe. And then a Berkey water filter system. That's like the second tier fridge. And then finally, like a Brita or some sort of like handheld thing that you okay. can also do. Great. I love to know that a Brita works too, right? So we don't have to be spending thousands of dollars on a water system. On that note, let's talk about um, let's talk about anti-inflammatory um, foods and uh, water, like that whole what's that? I don't know what that system is. I don't even want to say the name, but you can't you can't drink alkaline water and have it change. Kangen. Your it's called Kangen. Kangen. Okay, you said it, not me. Yeah. And it, so, and we talk about inflammation. I mean, is it like any, like we also, we did a post on anti-inflammatory foods. I don't know whether they're anti, uh, whether they're going to help with inflammation or these are when, it, when people talk about anti-inflammatory foods, do they actually help with inflammation in the body or are they just foods that are safe to eat and minimize any kind of reaction inflammation wise? Do you know what I'm well, trying to say? That's a good question. You never asked me that, Gina. I'm <laughs> impressed. And that's a good one. I they actually will do both. So there are certain foods that promote inflammation and it has to do with their sugar and fat and then certain protein components. Those are the three main components. So for example, if you look at wheat and you're wheat sensitive, that protein, that gluten or gliandin protein can cause inflammation. Right. Then there also is, let's say sugar in food, let's say processed sugar. Of course, we know that creates inflammation. A type of inflammation makes your immune system more reactive. Right. And then, then finally, there's this types of fat. So we talked about the omega-6s. We talked about the kind of refined agro seed oils like you know uh, canola, cotton, mm -hmm. soy. These are things that are pro-inflammatory. Mm -hmm. um, and so a lot of foods wrap all those things together. Um, yeah. So we try to avoid those. So, so that will promote inflammation. So Technically, eating anything other than that won't promote it, but there are some specific foods like, let's say, uh, pomegranate that has been studied to lower oxidative stress and inflammation. Okay. Uh, and then that usually is a very plant-based type of approach, and you're going to be eating whole foods, the least processed as possible. 
you could make an argument that there's lowering inflammation effects of nuts and seeds. Think of like, you could Google walnuts and find published papers. You can right. search uh, ginger, you can fish, search omega-3 rich foods like flax seeds that lower inflammation that are ground, chia seeds. Like there's research on every single one of these things that have either an antioxidant or anti-inflammatory. And by the way, the term antioxidant or anti-inflammatory, they're kind of doing the same thing. Okay. So um, there are some specific nuances on how they do it mechanistically, but ultimately if a food or a vegetable is an, a fruit is an antioxidant, it's going to have an anti-inflammatory effect. Okay. okay. So you, th there is anti-inflammatory ways of eating. And so, you know, for example, the, like the, the best types of studies are ones that are like, a, per, a group of people eat a certain way and a group of person, a group of people don't, and then they test their inflammatory markers, but they also test their and, and track their symptoms. So like, for example, there's studies showing that if a person eats a plant, a more plant rich diet, they're going to be lower in depression and mm. they have better scores because mm. they are eating more anti-inflammatory foods and they're decreasing the pro-inflammatory foods. So it's kind of like two sides of a coin. Right. Huh. Okay. What about water? Can your, yeah. can your water, they kind of water your drink affect the, affect your, uh, the alkalinity of your body? I think it's just worth talking about alkalinity in general first, just so yeah. people get thrown around there right. and they're like, oh, I'm drinking, you know, um, Fiji water. It's alkaline. It's good for me. And it costs me double. So it must be better. Right. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Let's break that down. Cause I used to do this back in the day when people had a lot of inflammation, I would, there was like an alkaline diet and, you know, it skewed like, you know, foods that are, you know, less acidic than others, obviously stay away from the super acidic deep fried foods, that kind of thing. And, and follow more alkaline diet for people that were having, you know, this was like 10 years ago. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Can you want to, let's talk about that. Sure. Real quick. So, sure. I mean, if you look at the ant, alkaline diet and you look at the anti-inflammatory diet they're kind of the same thing same you know thing, if, yeah. if you really look at it it's just another way of describing their physiological effect so yeah. if you're eating we'll call it the livy plan but it's anti-inflammatory you're going to be alkalining your body and what i mean by that is you'll never alkaline your blood alkalining is so misunderstood and that's why it's often really just disparaged by conventional kind of like thinkers and, and conventional doctors. Cause they're like alkaline. I mean, like I could test your pH and it stays the same. Right. And that's true. Your blood pH is regulated very tightly. If you don't, you'll end up in the hospital and that's because you've lost a lot of these key buffering things. So if right. you're like vomiting or losing a lot of fluid, that's what happens. Okay. But for you and I walking around, we're not worried about blood pH, Gina. We're worried oh. about what your cellular and intercellular uh, pH is. And that is really important because your enzymes and your bodily functions don't work well if you are constantly in a suboptimal pH. If you go back to, you know, Biochem 101, literally university, or even, you know, I learned in first year medical school, it's like your enzymes don't work if you are in a suboptimal pH. They're really dependent on that. And so, if you're eating a, a diet over time that is really um, rich in a lot of foods that when they break down into a cellular molecular structure, they are going to have a net acidifying effect there. Okay. So there is a such thing as that. Yeah. Uh, but in general, they also have, you know, a pro-inflammatory effect. So it depends on what you want to kind of like point at as its right. negative effect. Right, right, right. So you could say, oh, you know what? I'm eating this plant-based diet and I'm, and I'm cutting out all these pro-inflammatory foods. 
So it's anti-inflammatory, or you could say I'm actually alkalining. Like there are, there's different ways of looking at it. And it's doing both, I guess. Okay. Uh, so long story short is that water back to your original question is that yes. now that people are like, okay, so if I want to avoid acid and I want to increase alkalinity, maybe I should really amplify that alkalinity by taking alkaline water uh, or yeah. maybe taking alkalining supplements. Uh, and so I like Kengen and I, I don't, I, I know enough about it, but I, I'm not saying I'm an expert in it. Um, there apparently is a lot of research supporting it, but my issue is that it's a multi-level marketing thing. And so that I, I'm just generally leery of that in for my first um, kind of step, but I, you know, I'm sure there's people listening that have like tried it. They're like, you know what? I've noticed a difference. And if that's the case, you know, you want to spend two or three, $4,000 to do it, then, you know, go for it. I don't think that necessarily um, it's harmful to drink neutral water, but as soon as you start getting into the really alkaline, you have to be careful of what it's doing to you physiologically. Cause you could push it the other way. Yeah. Uh, I was just going to say, like, if you just took someone who wasn't doing a program like that and just started drinking the water, Craig and water, is it, is it going to make much of a difference? Well, if you're still eating crappy, probably not, you know, like, oh, you know, okay. you have to, like, you have to, you have to kind of do both. It's kind of like, you're going to put premium like gas into your car and then you're going to put, you know, um, a canola oil into your like oil uh, thing. <laughs> That's not going to work, right? <laughs> why do they even keep selling those? Why do they keep selling canola oil in all those, those crappy oils? Why do they keep selling those? It's very simple. They're cheap uh, and they, they are, they're just used and they, they preserve really well, Gina. That's like the simplest mm -hmm. way. They like make things last. It's the reason that the reason the Twinkie will survive a nuclear winter is because <laughs> it's jam packed full of these industrial seed oils um, and they don't they don't become rancid uh, and it's just they're very stable. And so therefore, they also have that same thing in your body where they basically are preserving and, and like kind of freezing your cells aligning and your cellular membrane. That's that's what they do. Like, think about this. Think about this. Just so people drive this point home. Where do omega-3s come from? They come from fish primarily, right? Why yeah. do fish have tons of omega-3s? Anybody ever thought about that? Why them? Well, because oh. they live in cold water. We think of like, when you think of hot water fish, like a shark, they don't have a lot of omega-3s. But yeah. when you look at something like cod, or if you look at some of these sardines that live in Arctic water, these, this um, omega-3s make things, the, the cellular membrane and their body really, on a cellular level, really flexible. And it makes it really uh, easily to, to move. And if you look at it chemically, that's exactly what the omega-3 is. So there's like these straight lines of like, I know I'm getting like into the weeds here, but it's going to bring, I'll come out in a second. There's these like, there's these fatty acids that when you have these omega-3s, it kind of makes the fatty acid actually more flexible. Mm. And so that is the same thing. We want flexible, really nice, healthy cellular membranes and good fat. So if you put a lot of these industrial seed oils, you're going to have a cell membrane like, like that, and yeah. you're going to put omega threes in it. And it's going to be able to move and flex and be mm -hmm. able to uh, squeeze through uh, small, tiny blood vessels. It's going to be able to create anti-inflammatory uh, resolving molecules, Gina. So um, omega threes versus all the stuff that I just mentioned, you don't want to have that, but people still use it because it's cheap and it's preserving. Easily. Got it. Got it. Um, I, I'm just, I can't help, I know I'm watching my time, so I'm mindful of it, but 
So what you're talking about the fish and the fat, is that would that have any correlation to people doing those underwater cold dunk take tanks trying to switch their their no, no, no. no nothing, nothing. <laughs> I got a couple of good questions. I want to talk about artificial sweeteners, um, but first I want to talk about puffy under eyes. Why do some women get the really big, the puffs? Is that nutritional deficiencies? Is it inflammation? Is it tired? Is it alcohol? Is it liver's not working? What is that? So when some women get those real puffy bags, what's that from? Mine are not too bad right now. That's or, good. Yeah. What is uh, that from? Um, it could mean it's a bunch of things actually, Gina. So there's like, in general, I would say inflammation is, is a loose term. And I know, you know, I use the word and you use the word inflammation a lot and we, it yeah. can mean a lot of different things. And so True. in this case, we're talking about, you know, there's some fluid buildup. Some people just generally have more fluid accumulation and these puffy things can mean food sensitivities. If you have dark circles under your eyes, that yeah. is, um, that could definitely be food sensitivities. Okay. Uh, we uh, old school naturopathic thought and and kind of philosophies always call those allergic shiners. So if you feel like oh. you have dark black, like punched in the eye always, then that's some sort of like inflammation. So think about stagnation and and lymphatic stagnation. So you got to move your lymphatic system, Gina. That's really really important. Um, and I would say that's probably, it's not a nutrient deficiency. It's definitely not that. I get it whenever I drink a lot of wine, whenever I drink wine, I wake up the next day and I'm just like, well, that's because there's, again, it's congestion, right? So your liver processes your blood. And when your blood doesn't move as well, um, and, and there's excess kind of toxicity, then you're going to have, you know, these kind of like puffy eyes. Also think about this. Is it the alcohol or is it that even though you're unconscious, you're not actually getting good, deep, restful sleep. Deep. Yeah. So it comes back to like, for me, it's like, if I don't have good sleep, then I'm going to have like, you know, kind of like darker eyes uh, under my eyes. And when you get a good sleep, those slowly start going away. Oh, interesting. Um, hair loss. We got to talk about hair loss. Um, obviously, you know, when people associate hair loss to weight loss, you know, they're doing programs where they're, they're starving themselves, depriving themselves. They're not, they're not eating nutrient rich foods. They're not taking supplements. They're not being mindful. They're not doing those things. You know, um, obviously, you know, hair loss is a tribute to that, but when someone's doing a program like this and they're experiencing hair loss, what could that be? Any change that you experience in your body, Gina is going to, it might prompt hair loss. It might be totally temporary. Mm -hmm. uh, I've seen people that have been very successful in the program and they've lost hair. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, sometimes that may not be a, a necessarily a bad thing. Uh, it's, it might be as the body's releasing toxins. Again, these are theories. I, I can't guarantee that this is what, what's happening, but as the body's releasing toxins mm -hmm. that they're, the hair follicle is very sensitive to oxidative stress, Gina. Mm -hmm. And then oxidative stress is another way of saying kind of localized inflammation. Uh, you know, that's the exact reason why a person might lose their hair during chemotherapy, because there's a tremendous amount of oxidative stress. Now think about that on a, on a smaller level that you'll lose it, maybe not in one week, but you'll lose it over a period of a couple months as your body just is readjusting and, and is maybe releasing some of these things. So um, those are the main reasons. And sometimes it's um, the, you know, as you're, as you're, as you lose weight and quote unquote, metabolically get healthier, your, sometimes your endocrine system and your hormones start like kind of going through a bit of a rebalancing period. And Whenever those hormones change, especially thyroid and adrenal, they can really sometimes trigger uh, hair loss, and mm. um, and and maybe it's a it's a temporary fit. Okay. Okay. Would it be? Um, it, would someone take supplements for that, or would they just like yeah. ride it out? 
Yeah. So uh, to me, I think if you look at all, there's a number of uh, weight loss supplements, actually, sorry, not weight loss, but hair loss supplements, um, they're touted online. And if you look at them, they're all kind of like antioxidants. If you actually think about it, Hmm. if you're, and that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to protect and and decrease the damage that's happening at the cellular level at, at the follicle. Uh, but I also, I do think that, you know, your key nutrients for hair are going to be silicone or silica, uh, mm-hmm. and zinc are really important. Collagen is actually quite important as mm-hmm. well. Vitamin C, because it's a key cofactor in collagen formation. Right. Uh, so I think those are kind of the key, um, the key things that are going to be helpful for rebuilding your hair. Cool. Okay. Um, artificial sweeteners. All right. Um, artificial sweeteners, um, Hopefully everybody that's gone through the program knows not to eat artificial sweeteners. They don't keep asking me about it. I mean, I, I don't even really have like great answers for people. I've just done enough research over the years, like, and looked into it enough to know, like, I don't touch the stuff. Um, but no, people, people aren't getting it because I think there's so much out there, but sugar, sugar. Yeah. That they think like, why not artificial sweetener? And why not stevia? Because I can grow it in my backyard, which most people aren't going to do. But yeah, go. Right. Well, I, I'm going to probably say the same thing you're going to say, because I, I do also believe that this is a thing. First of all. They want to hear it from you. They don't, yeah. they're, they're not believing me. <laughs> First of all, um, it's, it, we want to be as least processed as possible. So this is a very synthetic substance. And when you have very highly sweet, especially synthetic substances, the effect on your metabolism is not positive. I'll tell you right now, the research is very clear, which I know you've shared that when you eat diet things and instead of things that are not, you are not getting any benefit on weight. Yeah. So yeah. what really, what's the point of actually doing it then? Just because mm-hmm. you want something sweet. If you want something sweet, then just understand that you're going to be on the sugar train and from a brain perspective, because your brain doesn't know if it's sugar or if it's artificial sweetener. So you're going to always want to be craving more. So if you're suffering from craving still, if you want to get off the, um, I'm looking for a cookie after dinner all the time, um, which a lot of people still in the program still experience, mm-hmm. then you want to cut every single sugar off. Sometimes I would even say cut back on the sugary fruit because that still also might keep my, my sugar train going. Well, I need to have my dark, a piece of dark chocolate. I'm telling you, if you want to really get off your brain being addicted to this yeah. stuff, you have to really quote unquote detox. And the same thing goes for alcohol too. Alcohol, um, you know, especially when a person's being real, uh, drinking it consistently all the time, the brain adapts to it and you don't get a good sleep. Your metabolism has extra work for it to detoxify. Your liver does definitely. You're, it's a, it's a definitely a neurotoxin. How do I know it's a neurotoxin? Because anybody, and I work with a ton of concussion patients, Anybody that drinks alcohol and they have a concussion get immediate headache and that's way worse. And so we know that it gets to their brain really fast. It's just that most people's brains aren't injured enough, like a concussions patient to actually be a barometer for it. So it's kind of like we get away with it, but it's definitely not a beneficial benefit to us. So the reason I bring it up in the context of artificial sweeteners is that alcohol does turn into sugar pretty quickly. So it's very high in energy. Uh, and a lot of drinks have lots of sugar in it, like wine, for example, even something like that, which I really, really enjoy, but understand that it has sugar. And I bring it up also because it keeps you kind of re- from a receptor perspective and a brain perspective, wanting more. If you drink a little bit, you're going to keep wanting more. And that's the same thing with artificial sweeteners, Gina. 
Yeah. What about if you had like, so would you, would it be fair to say if someone was having a, like has a lot of inflammation in their body and stress, like adding in artificial sweeteners, would just kind of add to that? Or are they correlated or not? I don't know, like about inflammation, I'm not quite sure. Like, I don't think that necessarily the connection is as strong with inflammation, but I definitely think it's connected to dysregulating your microbiome, your bacteria in your gut, which has an indirect influence on inflammation. Yeah. And I also think it just keeps your kind of brain wanting more and you're just going to have a tougher time being successful on the plan. What if you're diabetic and like what, like, is it better just to have regular sugar or would you just artificial sweetener or would you just not have any of it? What, what's your, what's your straight up advice? Yeah, to people? Don't have any of it. My, uh, yeah. my brother, my, my brother-in-law is a type one diabetic. And you know, when I first met him, you know, drinking diet Gatorade, like just they, they, what diet does a diet product, I think is just like kind of tricks people into kind of like have wanting, you know, that you can't have your cake and eat it too. And and yeah. so that's the type of like situation where it's like, I just want to eat whatever I want. And I still don't want to like feel restricted. People don't want to restrict themselves, like just in general. So diet is just a kind of like a bit of a way of for people to be like, well, I can still just eat whatever I want, but I feel good about it. Yeah. I personally think you should just not eat any of it. Anybody yeah. that is diabetic shouldn't be eating any processed anything, period. I was waiting for the mic to drop. Tough love, waiting yeah. For, waiting for the mic to drop. Waiting for the mic to drop. <laughs> mic drop in. I think we should leave it there. I think we yeah. should leave it there. I think we covered a lot. Um, I mean, people know where to find you. They'll follow you on Instagram. They'll reach out and grab one of those one of those few spots left to 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 to, to work with you. Um, you know, I know you're going to be back in our next group because you're not going anywhere because um, you're just going to stay with me forever and ever and ever and ever because <laughs> I always love our conversations. Um, we are going to clip this and turn it into a podcast over on Acast so people can listen. They can also share it with their friends if they want over there. Um, Dr. Paul, thank you so much for you're another welcome. amazing session. Thank you for your time. I know you're a busy man. Um, thank you for, you know, caring enough to take the time to, you know, share your experience and explain things in a way that people can understand. I know you know this, but we absolutely love and adore you. And just thank you so much. Thank you, thank so, you much. so much. I appreciate it. Thank you for having <laughs> me on and for doing all the great work that you're doing. And a shout out to everybody that's listening. That is my patient. Um, I told everybody I would shout them out. So uh, you guys know who you are. Uh, hopefully everyone's doing awesome. And to everybody else, hopefully you have an amazing, amazing rest of the week. Oh, that's so great. And Dr. Paul and I are going to work on some podcasts too. So hopefully you guys will be able to listen to some of those in between groups and such. So he's going to be around. You'll be able to find him. Thanks everyone. Thanks Dr. Paul again. Have an amazing day, everyone. Bye. Bye. -bye.